I'm angry. I'm, I'm spitting angry. I'm like a tornado of anger swirling about. My heart rate is dangerously high right now. I'm glad it happened. I What? Yeah. What do you mean? Where did my wife go? Are you a robot? Are you a robot woman? I am not a robot. Phil, honey, I know this is upsetting, okay? But you have to try to find the positive in this. Boy, did that hurt my face. Surprise. Go over a pile. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. Maybe I'll build a boat. Did you say build a boat? It might be something fun for the family. We could uh, take a boat, go sailing on the lake. Be great in case it floods or something. Speaking to you, say good morning. And? Oh, I'm sorry, naturally asked you out here and jump on this table on you. Getting kind of late. Where do you suppose your mommy is? Shut up, butthead! Shut Hey, you stop. Hey, you know something. That's your mommy and daddy would not like you talking like that. You should not talk like that when your mommy comes. I'm going to tell her that you... On delay. Let's go. Motor's running. Yeah, come on. Get out of here. Stop. Yeah, I wish you D would. Crispin, don't make that face. What? Don't make lines. Quiet the face. Relax the face. Quiet the face. Yes, Quiet. Cal calm your face. Show no lines. <laughs> Saying something, it's gonna be me and you. You hear me? Shut up, old lady. Hey, hey, hey,
That's pretty good, wasn't it? I, I, I like Medea. I don't know if you like Medea. I love Medea. Uh, Jay, is Jay in the building? Jay, anywhere? He may be, he's back in the back. Could you guys give Jay a big hand? Jay Snow. He's kind of the creative director. He put that together. That, that is funny. It's always great when you hear people laugh. So uh, I can hear you laughing in the back. That's a good thing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. We're in the seventh part of this series. Actually, next weekend, we're going to be kind of ending the series. We're going to talk about work life and kind of like work life balance and what the Bible has to say about that. And uh, tonight, though, we're talking about family life. And uh, we'll get to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21 in just a second. There's also some notes on the back side of your bulletin if you want to follow along. But, you know, when we're talking about family, just personally, besides leading myself, the biggest leadership responsibility, responsibility that I have is leading my family. And um, there are times when it's the most rewarding, exhilarating thing that I do. And there are other times where it's the most frustrating and humbling role that I play. I don't know if you identify with that at all. There are moments where I feel like I'm hitting it on all cylinders. I'm in my total sweet spot. I'm at the top of my game. And then wham, out of nowhere, I'm totally blindsided by my own fault, failure, or humanity, or something sometimes that I have no control over. Family life, I think, is one of the toughest relational roles that we have to deal with. Uh, because honestly, we live with each other day in and day out, week in and week out. And, and, and you know the stuff. You know, everybody could put on the good Sunday morning smile, but we all kind of know what happens behind closed doors. And we all feel like this from time to time. It's called family life. So how do you deal with the ups and, li- ups and downs of family life? What's your role? What does, God words, what does God's word say about leading and living family life? Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21 is probably the most direct passage on this. So we're going to look at these four verses that are pretty controversial. And uh, I'm going to, I said last week, and if you want to see a fat man skate on some thin ice, come see me this next weekend and preach, because that's what I'm going to do today. I've never preached, I don't believe, on this passage, because this is one of those things, it's like, it's preachers, we got to avoid, right? But since we're walking through this whole book, I have to do it. So let's jump right in, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, wow, from a lady on the front row. It wasn't my wife, she, she said, I'm going to be on the front row, watch as it's fitting to the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything. Hallelujah. For this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So husbands, submit to you, wives, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. I want to give you a couple opening observations and not, not in your notes, but just to kind of, as we kind of open this passage up tonight. First of all, our faith must come home with us. The faith in Jesus Christ that we celebrate in a weekend service, it's got to come home with us. The true test of our relationship with Christ is how we relate to others. And if Jesus Christ is number one, if he's supreme in your life, then it should show up in how you relate to the members of your family. Again, I don't think that's the easiest thing to do, but I think it's the truest form of it. The issue, secondly, the second observation I want to give you as we get into this passage, the issue is function, not inferiority. We'll explain that in more and more in just a minute, but it's, it's function, not inferiority. Colossians 3.11 says cultural, racial, or even gender distinctions are no longer obstacles when it comes to salvation. That Jesus Christ said that the ground is equal at the foot of the cross. Everyone's equal before God. Now, there are different roles and different functions for different purposes, but the husband and wife are personally equal when it comes before God. 
They are. God looks at, at all of us and the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The same is true of parents and of children. Divine order is, is, uh, uh, of this is to basically help us run the family the most efficiently and effectively that we can. The third observation I want to get before we, before we jump right into this is that relationships are meant to be reciprocal. We cannot talk about responsibilities of a wife without clarifying the obligations of a husband. It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's not a one-sided deal, it's a both and. And so tonight, as you're walking through this, what I would encourage you to do, if you are a wife, listen to, what, listen to verse 18. If you're a husband, don't worry about verse 18. You focus on verse 19 and verse number 22 or 21. If you're a child, don't worry about verse number 18, 19, and 21. You focus on verse number 20. See, there's directives for all of us. If you're single in this room, just say, thank the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> heard some, somebody say the worst thing, they're talking to someone that was wishing they were single. The worst thing, worst thing than wishing you were single is being single is wishing that you were. Because if you marry the wrong person, you can have a jacked up life for a long, long, long time. And God's idea is not divorce. So how do we do this? How do we make this work? Well, let's look at married life, verse 18 and 19. This is in your notes. The spouse is the most important uh, uh, family relationship because your spouse is the object of your affection. Your spouse, your husband or your wife, is the most important family relationship because your spouse is the object of your affection. Now, this is very important because your children are not the most important relationship you have in your household. If your children are keeping you together, something's wrong. You need to get that fixed. If your children is what's keeping your marriage together, that's, that's not the way God intended for it to be. The Bible says in Genesis that, that, the man, that the husband and wife, that they would leave and cleave, that the two would become one. And so the, the, the person that has the object of your affection should be your spouse. Outside your relationship with Jesus Christ, the most important relationship on this planet should not be your father or your mother. It should be your spouse. It should be your husband or your wife. The most important relationship that you have, your BFF, if you would, in life, should be your spouse. Second statement, marriage is a partnership, not a lordship. Marriage is a partnership, not a lordship. Again, I've not been married a long, long time. I've been married 15 years, but I'm in this thing long enough to have a little bit of skin in the game. And I'm telling you, I've seen guys and gals come and go when it comes to marriage on how they respond to this issue. This isn't about me. It's about you. It's not about, it's not about focusing on my needs. It's just me focusing on meeting your needs. It's not about me trying to fix you. It's about me trying to take care of me. Marriage is a partnership, not a lordship. And in marriage, this is the biblical format, that you as a husband and wife are equal in value, but you're different in function. Your value is equal. The ground's leveled to foot of the cross. God doesn't love the husband more than he loves the wife. He doesn't love the wife more than he loves the, the, loves the husband. He doesn't love the children more than he loves the parents or vice versa. But the function is different. I, I say this in a leadership perspective. Anything that's got more than one head is a freak. If somebody walked in here with two heads, you would go, what is wrong with them? Where are they from? Right? Don't say Arkansas. That's where I'm from. Right? You know what I'm saying? And that's true of anything, whether it's an organization, whether it's a family unit. God, the, the Bible's very clear. God works through authority. And so there's always a spiritual head. There's a head of the church. That's Jesus Christ. There's a head of the family. That's the husband. We're going to unpack that. But it doesn't mean that it's a greater value. It just simply means it's a different function. So let's look at this word submission. This is what gets everybody all upset in verse 18. Submission. 
Submission means this, to arrange oneself under delegated authority. Submission means to arrange oneself under delegated authority. It's like a soldier to an officer. That soldier has a choice. That soldier has the ability to say, I choose to to come under the leadership of this officer. I choose to submit myself under this delegated authority. I make the choice. Ladies, let me talk to you for just a minute. You, You need to understand this. You make the choice in this. That's the reason why God spoke to you about this when he said, wives, submit to your husbands. It's your choice. Your husband cannot make you do this. He cannot demand that you do this. Even if he demands that you do, do this, doesn't mean that you will do this. You're not a rock'em, sock'em robot. You're a free moral agent. You have a mind and a will and a volition. And God says, hey, in order for the family to work correctly, this is how it needs to work. And if you go, I don't want to do that, then don't be married. Paul says, hey, you know what? Some of us are not all called to marriage. Matter of fact, there's a lot more things that we can do in life if, if we can go without being married because we're free to choose, we're free to do, we're free to go, whether it's the work of the gospel and the ministry or whatever the pursuits that God puts in our heart. But if you choose to be married, then you come in under, under, the, under the, the function and the arrangement the way God sets it up. Now, let me make these statements when it comes to submission because submission is one of those words, boy, it, it, man, it leaks. It just has a lot of connotations. First of all, this isn't in your notes, but this is good. Nowhere does it say that the wife is to obey the husband. The husband is not to lord over the wife. Children, yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Take your belt off. You know what I'm talking about. We're going to have a little dance. (laughs) The wife is to submit. That's totally different. And sometimes this word submission has been taken out of that the husband is the head, the husband is the Lord, the husband's the king of his castle, and the ladies say, oh, yeah, he's a legend in his own mind. I mean, it's that kind of a deal. No, 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 no. This isn't about that he's going to tell you what to do and he's going to tell you, but in the role of the family, you are willfully submitting yourself under that delegated authority, the, the, the authority that the Lord set up. Secondly, the application of submission is to the wife in a marital relationship, not to women in general. See, there's a thing, too, in, in Christianity that kind of says, well, you know, men are up here and women are here. No, 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 no. You have to understand, that's, that, that's the reason why uh, in verse 11 of chapter 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, male or female. We're all the grounds level to fill the cross. And so it's not that men, that we have this superiority over women. We, we don't. We have an equal value but a different function. But I do not function over any woman in this church. I don't lead. I don't get up and say over that. that no, 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 no. I'm the head of my home. But again, that's a partnership, not a lordship. Does that make sense? I tell you, I'm on thin ice. So some of you got to walk with me on this, all right? <laughs> Thank you for that, Telvin. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the reality is simply this. It's not, it, it, this isn't a marital relationship. Now, we're to be responsive under, under biblical authority. The same way you would at your job. If, if, if your boss came in and said, here's what I want. I need you to produce this on this. We need to change the, the line and we're going to produce this instead of producing that. You may not get a choice in that. And then if you don't like it, there's the door. Uh, in, in a classroom setting, you know, it, it, a teacher comes in and says, here's what we're going to learn today. And the students go, I don't want to learn this. I'm going to learn that. You don't really have a choice in that. Uh, in, in sports, the coach comes in and says, here's what we're going to do. This player's not going, oh, man, we don't want to do that. doesn't happen. And the, because it's an authority structure, it's, it's, it's the same way. But the same is true with submission. Submission works within the context of the family. It's not just saying that women are, are to be subjected under men and that women are not equal. It, it, 
there's, there's, a, there's a lot to that. The third thing I want to say about submission is that both husbands and wives are to be submitted to the Lord and to each other. If you read what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, he says that we're to submit ourselves, all of us, unto God and then to each other. And so, and I understand that that's beyond even a, a marital relationship, but just in general, that we're be to submit to one another in a Christ-like manner. But we're, first of all, to be submitted unto the Lord. And so submission is something that, here's the bottom line. If you're a Christ follower, you've got to be submitted to Jesus. Men and women alike. Children alike. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to submit. But then within the structure of the, of, of the family life, the way the Bible sets it up, that there is equal value but different function, but that the husband is the head of the home. He is the delegated authority by the Lord. And it's not a lordship over his wife. It's a partnership, but that's his role. That's his God-ordained place. And, and, and I understand that, that this is not a culturally accepted or, or um, really valued idea. Matter of fact, Gallup uh, did a survey, and 69% of the public in America agree, disagreed with the statement that wives should graciously submit to the servant leadership of their husband. 69% of the world that we live in says, I don't agree with the statement that wives should graciously submit to, to the servant leadership of the husband. But let me say something that I'm not trying to be old line, clothesline on you, but I'm just telling, telling you, just because something is not culturally accepted doesn't mean it's not true. Just because something doesn't, because again, when you look at the world, they don't exactly have the corner market on this. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. If it just feels good, do it. Do what you want to do. There's no moral absolutes. There's, there's no moorings in life. Just kind of do this and that. We got an open marriage. Yeah, right. All this kind of stuff and this kind of junk that's, no, 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 no. This is what the word says. And as Christ followers, we don't get, we don't get the, the uh, opportunity, the privilege, or the, or, the, or the unfortunate privilege of taking scissors to the Bible. We have to accept it and believe it and apply it, or we don't. Now, let me, let me read you something. I don't know where the author of this came from, but as I was studying in this message for this sermon, this came across, and I thought this painted a beautiful picture of submission. Submission carries the idea of entrusting oneself to the leadership of another to, in order to accomplish a task. When a Christian woman is submitted to the Lord and to her own husband, she will experience a release and a fulfillment that can come no other way. The end result will be an environment of intimacy, of growth, and a ministry partnership that will make a difference in the world. That's what God wants to accomplish. He doesn't want there to be confusion in the home. See, there's confusion in the home. There'll be confusion in the church. There's confusion in the church. We'll never win this world for Christ. It'll never make a difference. So ladies, here's, here's what the word says. Serve your husbands by respect and love. Serve your husbands by respect and love. To submit yourself to your husband as is fitting to the Lord it would be to say, I'm going to respect him as a person. I'm going to respect his position in Christ. I, I'm going to, to, to will, willfully submit myself under the leadership and I'm going to love him. Now again, this isn't the lordship. Now, let me... Let me explain this just for a second, then I'm going to get right into verse 19 to talk about the fellas, because there's a whole lot to unpack there, too. Tammy and I, let's just talk about how this fleshes out in a real, in a real world setting. Tammy and I have a partnership. When God's really spoke to our heart about seven and a half years ago to come to Wisconsin, this was not one of those things where I walked in like John Wayne in the middle of a Western, although I think of myself in that connotation. 
So does she, but we won't go there. And just said, hey, woman, here's what we're going to do. And threw the God card down and said, God told me, and this is what we're going to do. Number one, I'm married before I'm in ministry. And the institution of the home and of marriage predates the institution of the church. My number one commitment is not to you, the church. My number one commitment is to her. Because there'll be a day, I love you, and I'm not going anywhere unless you want me to leave. I, I, I'm not going, but, but don't answer that. But anyhow, <laughs> that we won't be the pastors here, and we'll be relegated to some picture on some wall in some hallway somewhere, but I, and you'll be gone, but she and I will be together in Boca Raton, on the beach. Holly, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right? I've received that in the name. Okay, right. But what I did was say, hey, this is your life too. This is not just my life. This isn't the Aaron Cole show. We are both in ministry together. And we talked about that at length, hours before we got married. Here's what God's put in my heart to do. Is this what God's put in your heart to do? Here's who I am. This is who, we, we talked about this. We sat down. We did premarital counseling. We did all that just to make sure. Because the, the thing that I didn't want to do was, I, Percy doesn't want to go through a divorce. And I understand that, that nobody chooses that per se on the front end when you're getting married. But I just wanted to make sure that, that I was giving myself every possible chance that I could to win and to have a, healthy, a happy and a healthy home. And so when Tammy and I married, we talked about ministry. And one of the decisions that we made in life is that we would live life palms up, but that we wouldn't make decisions independent of each other. Now understand, when God, speaks to, 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 when God spoke, he spoke to me first. Or he spoke to me. And, but if I was resistant to that, there are times where he'll speak to her. And she'll say, hey, I've been thinking about this, and it's just because I'm too thick-skulled to get it. And, and God says, and y'all, yeah, I know God's been speaking to me about that too. But I went to her and said, hey, here's what I feel. This is the time, and this is the thing, and I really feel like this is God's in this. This is your life too. If this is not, what, how, what, are you, what are you feeling? How do you sense the Lord moving in this? Let's pray about this. Because let's make this decision together. Because this isn't a lordship. This isn't the Aaron Cole show. And she said this to me. She said, first of all, I feel like God's in this, and I don't understand it. I'm with you on that. But if you look me in the eye and you tell me that God's told you this is what we're supposed to do, then this is what we're going to do. Because when I said I do, I trust that you hear from God, no pressure, and that you're following the voice of the Holy Spirit, no pressure, and that you're going to do the right thing. So I trust you. That's your role. That's your responsibility in this marital relationship. As a husband, that's not like a lording, like a big, I'm the lord of the jungle. That's like, oh my goodness, could she be the leader? Because I don't know that I want to deal with that kind of pressure and that kind of responsibility. You know what I'm talking about? This isn't about, hey, I'm, you know, woman, what's for dinner? You know, put another log on the fire, cook me up some bacon and some beans. I mean, this isn't one of those kind of conversations. This is a deal of we're in a partnership together. There's a mutual submission. But my role in the partnership is to lead. And her role in the partnership is to, is to be a part of that function. And part of that means to submit and to respect what I have to do in, in my role. But it doesn't mean that it's a big me and a little her. Does that make sense? We're together. Now, let's move. I think this is going to make sense as we kind of roll into verse 19. Where the Bible says, husbands, you love your wives and don't be harsh with them. First of all, let me tell you, this isn't in your notes. But it never says in scripture for wives to love the husbands. But men, it gives us explicit instructions for us to love our wives. Let me tell you why. 
Because we sometimes get so fearful of us and our egos and our pride and our stuff that we forget that the person that we're doing life with needs that loving, nurturing, secure side. And so God says, hey, fellas, I know this is like 101 and your wives got this early on. But I just want to remind you, you need to love your wife. It wouldn't be bad if you told her you loved her every once in a while. It's like the old guy that married his wife and said, hey, I, you know, she said, honey, you never tell me that you love me. We've been married for 25 years. You never say I love you. And he said, I told you. He said, no, you don't. He said, yeah, I told you. The day we got married, I said, I love you. And if that changes, I'll let you know. I, you can't do that. <laughs> Ladies? Amen, amen. amen. All right. Do you notice how quiet the guys were in verse 18? I was watching the men in this room. They were like going, first of all, dude, I'm so glad that's him and not me. And secondly, I'm not going to say a word or I will be on the couch. Hallelujah. Okay. God says more about the quality of a husband's leadership than he does about a wife's submission. The responsibility for a good marriage is put more on the husband because he's got the lead role. Again, I honestly sometimes wish that I wasn't in that position. Bad marriages are usually the result of a husband's inability to love his wife instead of a wife's refusal to submit. I agree with that. Man, I I, I think I've never met a wife who would not be willing to follow the leadership of a man who loves her unconditionally. I know you may think there's an exception to the rule, and I'm sure that there are, but by and large... Men, we, when we get into this, it's not about I get to lord over the jungle, I'm the king of my castle. It's a responsibility unto God that we have to lead and lead well. There's a big responsibility to this. You're submitting yourself unto God. You're accountable unto God for your family. She's not accountable for the family. She's accountable for her relationship with you and partnering with you to raise the kids. But you, sir... You're accountable for your family. You're accountable for how your kids are raised. You're accountable for what kind of choices and decisions that they make in their life. You're accountable for your relationship with your wife. You're accountable to make sure that your family serves the Lord. She does not give an account for that. You do. See, we play this big, well, submit, woman, submit. But the reality is is that there's a lead, man, lead. And if you lead, she'll submit. But she's not going to submit to a tyrant. She's not going to submit to some some belligerent, ego-driven maniac. She will submit to a loving, caring leader. But that's what we're called to be. The word husband, it's in your notes, is one who holds the house together. That's what that word means. In the original Greek language, husband means one who holds a house together. You have a responsibility to hold the house together. You've got a responsibility to lead. You've got a responsibility to serve. The image, that, remember we talked about this through this series, that, that the, Greek gives a, uh, the Greek language gives a lot of images or word pictures. And the image of the word picture here is of a gardener who would cultivate the soil and keeps the, word, the, the, so, the weeds out. That's how a husband is supposed to love his wife. As a gardener who would, who would cultivate the soil, who would keep the weeds out of the garden, who would tend to, to his wife, who would, who would nurture the relationship with his wife, who would protect the relationship of his wife, who would protect the honor of his wife, that would keep the weeds of the relationship out, would keep anything that would come in that would separate his love for her. God tells the man that we're to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's how we're to love our wives. We're to lay ourselves down. We are to be last when it comes in our family. We're to serve her by being willing to lay our lives down. 
See, it's not a lack of submission. It's just a different kind of submission. We are to serve our wives by loving our wives. We're to serve our wives by leading our wives. And that word love in the original language is the word agape. And agape is based on commitment, not on emotion or romance. When he says to love your wife, it's a love that's based upon a decision of commitment, not based upon upon emotion or romance. This isn't like, man, I'm hot to trot. I, I, I got this sexual feeling and let's just get it on and that kind of a deal. Although, thank God, that's part of the whole relationship. Hallelujah. Some of y'all going, can we say amen to that in church? You better. <laughs> right? Because God created us that way. God created sex. I cannot believe he just said that, Margaret. It's true. Mm. There's so many things that are going right now, but it's being caught by the filter. You like that? All right. But the word that's being used here, love, is a commitment. Well, here's what it means. I choose to love Tammy. I choose to be committed to Tammy. That's not based on emotion. It's not based on romance. It's not based on how I feel. It's not based on how good life is. It's not based upon anything else than me choosing to love her, period. I got this advice early on in marriage. I think it's some of the greatest advice for for a marriage that lasts. It's the commitment that will make the love last, not the love that will make the commitment last. The commitment that you have to your spouse is what will make that love fast, that that love last. Because that loving feeling will sometimes be gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. And there are days where you don't feel quite as in love as you did before. And there are, there are seasons where, where things don't really quite work out. And, and there are things where you're going through rough passage in, patches in your relationship. That's just part of life. Don't be wigged out by that. Don't be, don't be tripped up by, well, you know, when I was young and we were first married. Yeah, you were young and dumb and in love. And some of you, you're newly married and you're still young and dumb and in love. Enjoy it because it will pass. Right? And then you got to pay the bills because love don't keep you warm. Amen? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, man. I was a young guy, and I was out playing golf with a, with a youth pastor who was about six years older than me, and he'd been married for five years. And he said, man, I'm just telling you, dude, the longer that you go in life and marriage, it's like you, you almost have to schedule your sex life. And I'm like, no way. There's no way. No, 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 no. He said, I'm just telling you because it just, life happens. Things happen. Kids come along. Stuff begins to happen. Work happens. Travel. It's all going on. And if you're not careful, it begins to pull your relationship apart. You choose. That's who you love. That's who you committed yourself to. That's the person. And when you choose to make that commitment, the, 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 those romantic feelings will come back. That emotion will come back. But, but you can't build a life on emotion. You can't build a life on romance. This is not a Harlequin not romance novel. Amen? It, it, it's not something you see on television. It doesn't work that way. Every problem in life isn't solved in, in 30 minutes or in an hour if you have a big drama, right? It, it just doesn't work that way. You are making a decision. And then the Bible tells us that we are to choose to make a commitment to love our wives. Period. Don't be harsh, it says. This basically means don't become embittered or resentful towards your wife and prevent a sour attitude. Listen, if there's a sour attitude in a relationship, men, you've got to step in, no pun intended, be the bigger man, and and say, you know what, 
I, I'm going to, I'm going to give in. I'm going to do whatever. We're not going to have this in our relationship. It doesn't tell the wife. It tells the husband. Because men, we can, we, if we're not careful, <laughs> we can find ourselves in a situation where, again, our ego, our pride, the pace of life, our, our spinning wheels and making deals, we can totally become blinded to this. And that relationship just begins to deteriorate. So gentlemen, your notes, serve your wife by leading and by loving. Lead, lead well and love well. Lead well and love well. And if you go, well, man, how am I doing that? Ask her. Sit down seriously and have an, have an honest conversation and say, go just like this. Hey, you know what? Pastor was talking about this. And I really wonder how I'm doing in this area. And I really want you to be gut level honest. Do you really feel like I lead the family well? You know what that means practically? That means that you're thinking about your family before you think about yourself. You're thinking about provision for your family before you're thinking about yourself. That's a pretty natural thing. Leading well means that you're the one that initiates, hey, we're going to church. If you're a Christ follower, we're going to church. She shouldn't be the one pushing you. You should be the one leading her. We're going to worship God together as a family. We're going to do this. And if you're divided on that subject because you, one of you likes Life Church and the other one doesn't, then find a church, even if it means leaving Life Church, find a church where you both can worship. Amen. Because I've seen people go, well, he goes to this church and she goes to that church. And I'm telling you, the kids, the byproduct of that is spiritual schizophrenia. They don't know what to believe or who to believe or what's right or what's wrong because this church says this and this church says that. This faith says this. This faith says that. I'm telling you, you've got to be together in unity. And husband, you need to be the one that's leading. You need to be the one that's initiating. And so you need to lead in your family and have conversations. And, and again, Tammy and I, on a regular basis, we have date nights. It's actually date days now because the kids are both in school, so we don't have to pay 40, 50 bucks for childcare. So we go out, but it's on Friday, and we go out and we have lunch, but we have time. And you go, well, that's just expensive. I don't have the money. I'm going to tell you, you're going to pay the money either to an attorney who's going to put it on a 7 Series BMW, or you're going to pay it to, to, to invest in your marriage. It's your choice. And you don't have to be fancy-smancy. It can be simple. You can go to Redbox, get a movie, go get a bag of popcorn and have dinner and, and farm the kids out with somebody. Talk to another couple and say, hey, on Thursdays, will you keep the kids and we'll keep them on Tuesday and we'll just, it'll be free. Whatever you have to do. But you have to invest in that relationship. And husbands, you should be leading that relationship. You should be the one initiating that date night. You should be the one that's leading. See, now it's not so fun, is it? Right? You won't get back to the... Go outside, woman, and put another log on the fire. Cook me up some bacon and some beans. I mean, you want to get back to, no, 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 no. It's about serving. Serving. Thinking about anniversaries. Thinking about what her love language is. Thinking about what she likes, what she doesn't like, and serving. And loving her. What's her love language? Gary Chapman has a great book called The Five Love Languages. If you've not read it and gone through it, I, I encourage you to do it. Because everybody has a love language. What is her love language? My wife's love language is not, is not flowers. That's pretty, some of you guys go, well, that's great, man. It, it's purses, and purses aren't cheap. <laughs> I wish it was flowers. I'm like, do you know how much that purse costs? That's her love language. So early on, I decided, mm, again, I'm either going to invest in my marriage, I'm going to pay for some other man's 7 Series BMW in divorce court, so I will invest it in my wife. That's her love language. And every time I do that, it just, she, she, she thinks he thinks of me, and Life's good when I do that. I'm just telling you, life's good. All right, let's move right on. <laughs> Verse 20 and 21, parenthood. The second most important relationship, family relationship, is parenting. 
Because the child is the product of your affection, not the object, the product. The second most important family relationship is parenting because a child is a product of your relationship. You can't get that confused. If the child becomes the objection of your affection, you're in deep weeds. Because when Johnny or Sally move out of the home, you're going to divorce court. Or you'll wind up being roommates. But if they are the product from this relationship that you have, from the love that you have, your children come from that, then that's healthy. Because guess what? If you have girls... Men, they're going to see how a godly woman should function in the home. And they're also going to see what a godly man looks like. Because they're going to marry a guy just like you. Scary or not scary, it's truth. And, and if you have boys in the home, they're, they're going to see what a godly man should be like. And they're going to look to, to, to a woman who has the characteristics that you do, mom. Because they're going to see that relationship. See, and it's healthy for kids to see this because we leave our kids and we go on, on a couple of trips a year. And when they were smaller, it was less. But as they've gotten bigger, then there's, there's more. We bring grandparents in. So grandparents are in. And in about a month, we're going to be going on a trip. Tammy and I are. And she's going with me. She doesn't travel with me much, but she's going to go with me. And we're going to go. And grandparents are going to come in. And we made that a time where we said, hey, you know what? Mom and dad need time just to be with mom and dad. And dad's going to take mom away. And, and we're just going to have a good time together. We love you, but we love you enough to leave you. It's going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you. Remember saying that? Or hearing that? You want to say liar? But anyhow, right? But the deal is, is it, but it, it teaches them. This is what a healthy relationship does. They know we have a date day. And they ask us about it usually now on Friday afternoons. What'd you guys do? Where'd you go? And I took mom here and we did this and that. And, and so it builds this expectation around them of this is what should happen. Parenting. And, and so let, let, let's look at this. First of all, verse 20, it's very clear. Children obey. This isn't an option, it's a command. And, and, and it's the fifth command of the Old Testament. Children obey your parents in everything. So if you're a middle school student, a high school student, a college age student, here's the bottom line. If your parents are still paying your bills, then you, and you're a Christ follower, then you are to listen to your parents and obey your parents, period. And if you don't want to listen to them and you don't want to obey them, then move out of the house and get off their payroll. And every parent said, amen. As long as dad and mom are paying the bills... You're to be under their leadership. You're always to honor them, but you're to obey them and to listen to them and to their wise counsel. So if you're a middle school student, a high school student, a college age student, you're, the, the word for you is just to obey. And if you've been going, but that's not fair and that's not right and that's we're going to go over there, shut up and obey. <laughs> Let me give it to you in the original language. Shut up and obey. Do you want it in Hebrew? I mean, it, it, it's, it's the same. He says it. Again, I didn't write it. Don't get mad at me. Because at the end of the day, that's your responsibility. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, fine. But, but if you are a Christ follower, you are to obey. And your parents are, listen, let me tell you two things about parents. Number one, parents are not designed to be cool. So when you go, but you're not cool, Dad. Cool, I'm not. I know. I'm, you know, I, again, I'm, you know. But I'm your parent. 
So if I want to wear a pair of Sansa belt slacks that I've cut off with white socks and a t-shirt and mow the lawn and wave at your friends, it's my prerogative because it's my yard. And sometimes I do stuff like that because my parents did it to me. And I feel like I need to pass the torture along, don't you? That's the fun of parenting. I can't wait to Anna dates. I have a 16-gauge shotgun. I will shine. The redneck will come out. I, anyhow. They'll pull up and they'll hear banjos playing. Anyhow. Just obey. They're not supposed to be cool. But the second thing about your parents is they're God's gift to you to help you from making stupid decisions. And I know that doesn't make sense. And know you go, how do they know about this person and that person and this? Because they know, because they've been around, because they get it, they understand it. And they're not trying to be some cosmic killjoy in your life. They're trying to help you navigate through. They want you, trust me, they want you out of the house. And they want you to be successful. And they want you to marry well. And they want you to live well. And they want you to love life. And they want you to make your own decisions. But you're to obey them. Verse 21, it says, and we kind of close up with this, speaking to fathers, he says that fathers don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. It didn't say this to mothers, it just says it to dads. Ray Steadman said there's four things that lead children to discouragement. Number one, if you ignore them, it's in your notes, it's just for free. If you ignore your children, they're going to look somewhere else for leadership. Statistically, over and over and over again, the number one influence in a child's life is their parents. Whether they're 16 or they're 6, the number one influence in their life is the parent. And if you ignore them, they'll look somewhere else for leadership. The second thing for discouragement is if you indulge them. If you give your kid everything, or virtually everything, you will indulge them to the place that you will create a discontent in their life that probably will not be eradicated in their lifetime. And you'll make them kid CEO, and and you might as well put them in the master bedroom and put yourself down the hall, because that's what you've done. You've made your life all about going to Johnny's soccer and, 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 and Susie's gymnastics and this and this and this and this and this. And we all know people, please do not point, we all know people who do this. It's not healthy. It's not right. It's not good. In our home, we say, look, you have one extra curricular activity. You can do anything you want, but you cannot do everything. You've got to choose wisely. Why? Because that's life. And so there are choices. And you have to make those choices and you have to make those decisions. And, 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 and there's a cause and there's an effect. And rules are real simple, but, but you, there's a few basic things in our house. This is what we expect. Love Jesus, make good grades, obey us, and don't lie to me. I can deal with honesty all day long, but do not lie to me or the spirit of Gerald Cole will come up on me. Okay, number three. Insult, don't insult your children. If you insult them, even jokingly, you could do some major damage. Why? Because you're the leader. You're the leader. And there's an impression that you make upon them. And, and the last thing that Stedman says that will lead children to discouragement is if you intimidate them by threats and unfair expectations. Honestly, men, dads, how we're supposed to lead is like a brick wrapped in velvet. We should be firm and solid and not movable. But when brushed up against, we should be warm and tender. We should not, our children should not fear us. They should have a healthy respect of us, but they shouldn't 
tremble in fear of us. They should enjoy our company. We should be someone that picks them up and that nurtures them and that protects them. But we should also be someone who has to be a disciplinarian in their life too. It's a balance. And this is the last thing in your notes. That parents is, parenting is teaching and training our children to leave. That's a biblical principle. I talk about it all the time. But parent, parenting is teaching and training your children to leave. What do you mean? I mean this. The Bible says that we're to teach them, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7. We're to teach them and we're to train them. Because one day they're going to leave. And they're going to leave and they're going to find someone else. And they're going to leave and they're going to cleave to someone else. And their two will become one, just like you. And ultimately, what you're doing with your kids is you're raising parents. So here's what I want to encourage you with. I want to encourage you, first of all, to embrace your role in the family life. If you're a lady, I've kind of spoken to you about, hey, here's what's going on. If you're a guy, if you're a husband, I've spoken to you about, hey, here's the role to take. If you're a child, whether you're, if you're still on the payroll of the family, I've, I've spoken to you. Embrace your role. What's the directive the scripture gives you? And again, why would the father give us these? Because he wants us to have a happy and a whole family. Second thing I would say to you is I, I would encourage you to honor God by serving each other in your family. See, it's all about mutual submission. See, the, the, the husband is serving and, by, by leading and loving the, the wife. And the wife is, is, is submitting and, by, by, by respect and by loving the husband. And the father is, is not, is, the children are, are, are serving by obeying and listening to the parents. And, and the dad is serving again as the head of the home, even to the children to not bring discouragement or not to become harsh to them in such a way to drive them away. It, it's all mutual submission. It's a wonderful thing. I'd encourage you to memorize this passage or at least the portion that, 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 that affects you if you're a wife or a husband or a child to memorize that and then go and live it out. And here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for you and then we're going to kind of wrap things up because we have dates to go on tonight for those of us that have kids that are here. And, uh, and so, but I want to just pray for you and pray for your home. Pray for your home. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the families that you've given us.